0: Here, hey, good morning everybody man it's great to see everybody i think some of y'all thought that I, I was no longer faithful okay i've been helping out with the staten island church since january and uh sheridan and deb right they retired and they're looking for someone to fill their spot and so i've been going over there i still love god i still serve here in the jersey campus ministry uh man it's, but it really is i miss my family i feel like there's like Dorothy, there's no place like home, and this, this has been my home. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to leave New Jersey, and I'm still here because this is home. You know, my mom and my dad uh, became Christians when I was four years old, and shortly after, my my uncle John and his wife, Ildi, studied the Bible with my parents. Uh, shortly after, my dad decided to leave God, leave the church, and leave my mom. And I was raised by my mom for a while as a single mother. Uh, She was a single mother in the church, which was kind of a wild and rare thing to have happened in our fellowship, to see a single mom who's divorced and all this different stuff. And uh, I was, my mom then got remarried to a great guy named Greg Blank. Many of you know him. And what's really cool was that it wasn't just Greg and my mom raising me. I had The Mitchells were raising me, the Persings were raising me, the Joneses, the, in some ways, the Farleys, the Hofstetter's, the, I mean, I could just, there's not enough time to go through all the names. And so I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving my family. Thank you for being my home. I really, really appreciate that. Now, that's one thing that I'm always going to love about the Garden State Church is that this is a church that loves deeply. Amen. I mean, John 13, Jesus says, it is your identifying marker by the way that you love. And so there's too many people here. Otherwise, I would ask people to stand up and just encourage one another. Uh, But I encourage you to do that afterwards regardless. But how about you just look around, make eye contact with someone and hug them with your eyes. How's that sound? There you go. All right, hey, side hug with your eyes. Come on now. <laughs> you know, many of us just got back. Anybody just get back with the Orlando W the World Discipleship Summit. Mm-hmm. Nice. I know uh, it was an amazing trip. Fifteen thousand disciples from all across the world wow. converged together in Orlando. It was amazing. Um, I heard some good news. I just wanted to bring and share to some of you. Is that um, Harlem and his wife Vanya Salim, They lead the church and they oversee the churches in Indonesia and Singapore. And they shared good news that during COVID, during 2020, their church baptized 1,200 people in the church in Indonesia. Oh, they broke the gospel down. They, they did Zoom studies. What is that? Just no. You know, it was really inspiring. They're leading the church in many different ways. They're leading the the faith of our church in a lot of ways. But they said, we refuse to believe that God will not work during COVID. Wow. And so they equipped all of their disciples, all the disciples in the church in Indonesia how to study the Bible with their friends during COVID, um, to believe that God is the Lord of the harvest and wants to bring people home to Him. And so that built my faith a lot. I just wanted to share that with you, and also our campus ministry conference that was in Orlando. The theme was revival. As many of our colleges and our churches across the world are in desperate need of revival. And we had a time where people got up and shared their dreams for revival. And I'm gonna call them out because they said it to everybody. I'm gonna tell you what they said. Uh, Derek McNeil, who's a full-time intern here in New Jersey for our campus campus ministry, and John Novak, got on the stage in front of thousands of people and said, I will join the revival by getting training to go into the full-time ministry and help impact as many lives as I can. So let's give it up for them. So inspiring. And so I know some of you tried to get there but couldn't get there. Some of you tried to leave but couldn't leave. I heard some of our college students and pros got to the airport and had to wait there for 14 hours for canceled flights. So thanks for making it to church. Uh the Mitchells, they tried to get there, but after two days of cancellations, they couldn't get there. And so they watched from afar. Um, I just wanna give it up for the Mitchells. The Mitchells got married during COVID. Uh, and they are now full blown, fully invested here in the, the Bloomfield area. Please love up on them. Have them in your home. They're incredible. They're some of my best friends. Uh, You'd be doing me a service by loving them. I, I feel uh, contagiously encouraged. Today, I'm not talking about love, which is a great thing to talk about. I'm talking about faith, which is a great thing to talk about. Today, I want to talk about courage. And I believe that in every seat filling this space, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You are filled with a spirit of courage. You are a person of courage. Not, I wanna be a person of courage. One day I will be courageous. Says, no, you are courageous. Let me hear you say, I am courageous. courageous. Oh, you said it like you're courageous. I like that. Let me pull up my notes here. It's who we are. In 2 Timothy 1 7. Paul says, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. God today has stripped you of your timidity and clothed you in courage. Now, sometimes I do not feel like a person of courage. In fact, I'm often ashamed how far I feel courage is from me. And I remember as a teen, The first time I shared my faith, I think it was with Seth and with a couple of the other teens here in New Jersey. And we went to the Rockaway Mall in the dead of night. I'm sure my parents had no idea where I was. (laughs) And we got there in the dead of night and we went up to a couple of older college students outside the Target at the Rockaway Mall. And I went up to them and I said, excuse excuse me, Uh, my name's Matt Rupert and uh, come to my Bible church church bible come with me um with me will you come i mean it sounded like i was yoda it was it was u-g-l-y and i needed an alibi i mean it was just bad but what's really interesting about that whether ugly or not was that the spirit of courage that god put inside me and put inside you compels us to do things that we would have never ever done. The old man, he would have not caught him in the dark, let alone outside of a target sharing his faith. But God put inside me something that said, let's go do something wild. Let's go be courageous. I think for some of us, the sheer act of being here right now, being here in the midst of a coronavirus, being here in the midst of Man, it's been hard these last couple of years. Being in the midst whatever, being here for some of us is an act of courage because years ago, maybe you wouldn't have been here. Amen? You are a person of courage. God has stripped us of our courage and closed us with with God, nope, God has <laughs> stripped us of timidity and has clothed us with courage. Courage is in you. But the question is, what are you going to do with it? You know, we can confidently say, we can either say with confidence that courage is in me, being used by God for God's glory, or my courage isn't in me. It's trapped inside me as I navigate between the comforts of my life. Brothers and sisters, it's time we liberate our courage. Because again, God has stripped us of our timidity and has clothed us with courage. I believe the greatest threat to face the future of God's church is not from outside the church. It's not from a culture or people that oppose God's church. Historically, when God's church is opposed, it thrives. Instead, the greatest danger that faces our church is not from outside, but often from within. It's not from others' opposition, but often from our omission. It's when comfort, contentment, complacency creep in, when revival is needed, but we are content maintaining the status quo. It's when a total rebuild of the house is required, but we're putting fresh paints of coat on the wall. It's when we pray, but pray prayers that do not require God. It's when we read, but aren't stirred. It's when we're excited to share what's new and what's coming up, but not the gospel of God. It's when we love insights, the new, we love our insights from podcasts and books and conversations, but we lack the inspiration to actually apply it in our lives. Jesus points out this threat to the church in Laodicea, Laodicea, and Revelation 3.17, He says, You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I start sweating a little bit, not just because it's hot, because that's in some intense words that Jesus says to his church. Because where Jesus expected desperation and utter dependence, he saw people who are unengaged and unconcerned. The mentality was, I've got all I need right here. And Jesus says, yeah, you got all you need. I gave you all that you need, but not so that you can hold on to it so that you can give it all away. Radical dependence, boldness, courage will always be required of us as disciples of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Courage is the unchanging call For the person of God. It is who we are. Amen. Amen. Throughout the Bible. People of courage. Ignored the demands. Made by the status quo. They went beyond what was normal. And in doing so. They did what was necessary. They lived lives. That prompted the critics. To ask the quote to say. You're doing too much. Throughout history, that's how our brothers and sisters of courage have been critiqued. The poor and the lepers. I mean, isn't there a hospital you could go to? Why the lepers, the prostitutes, and the sinners? Really? Them? You're going to go to them? All night, prayer nights, preaching in the streets, laying everything down at the apostles' feet. You know, Christ's sacrifice, talking about courage is single-handedly the greatest demonstration of courage in our known history. An innocent man, the most innocent man, could have accepted a swift execution. Instead, he chose the most radical form of punishment reserved for the most vile of offenders. Why'd he do that? Because Jesus was courageous. He did not what was expected of him by the status quo, but instead what was demanded of him by God. And he is the example we are to imitate. Where the critics say too much, the people of courage ask, what else? Now, brothers and sisters, where do we get this courage from? And I think it's exciting to think as the disciples of Jesus with courage we liberate our courage what's that gonna look like well where do we get it from and i don't think it's beating your head upside the head trying to unlock the courage right i really believe just like coronavirus that courage is contagious that we can catch courage and we can catch courage from all kinds of sources in acts chapter 4 verse 13 The Bible says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men have been with Jesus. First and foremost, where does this courage come from? Well, we catch it from Jesus. Peter, James, and John, or whoever these guys are, James and John here, uh, Peter and John, they saw Jesus challenge the religious leaders Do the unpopular thing in the synagogues, walk through the crowds that are ready to stone him, touch the lepers, love the sinners, endure the persecution, surrender on the cross. The boldness of Jesus was infectious with Peter and John, and they tested positive for courage. (laughs) What may have been unthinkable apart from Jesus became commonplace, normal, and even expected. Are you catching your courage from Jesus? And I think as a, as a, a group of brothers and sisters, often we are, I, I know this being in the campus ministry, we study the Bible with one another, we decide to make Jesus Lord, we get baptized. And then our favorite scriptures are like Acts 2, 42 or Acts 2, 36, and then Matthew 6, And if we're not careful, we can take every situation in our life and treat it like a male with a hammer. Everything is Max Matthew 6, right? I don't know if you can relate. That's how I relate as a young Christian. I think oftentimes, let's be honest, we become Christians (laughs) with very little Bible knowledge. And that's no critique. We have a lifelong journey to grow in our faith and understand Christ and to mature, that's okay. But I think we need to really believe and understand who Jesus is. We ask, what would Jesus do? It's a great question. But to answer what would Jesus do, we need to first ask, what did Jesus do? We need to go from our GED in Jesus to our PhD in Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. He is all that we need. And if we're going to catch courage from him in our situations with our children, not my children because I don't have kids, but situations with your children, your grandchildren, your coworkers in privacy and alone, on the job, in the home, wherever you go, if you wanna be a person of courage, unleashing the courage that's within you, you have to know intimately what did my King Jesus do and be like him. For the disciples, the critique for them or the, 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 those who are persecuting them said that they had been with Jesus. Those who saw them said, man, they look and act just like Jesus because they were with them past tense. But I believe what gave the disciples such great courage was that they believed that their position with Jesus wasn't past tense, but present tense. Right. They said, I could be courageous because I am walking with the water walker. I can be courageous because Jesus is in my household. I can be courageous because he is with me And in me right now. Church, do you believe that? Do you believe that you can catch your courage from Jesus? And are you willing to stick in spitting distance? Not six feet. Spitting distance from King Jesus so that you can catch his courage as well. We catch courage from those around us. That's why I believe the second place you can catch it from. You catch it from Jesus and you catch it from those around you. I I believe this wholeheartedly, anything courageous that I have ever done is because of the example set by someone else. When I was a sophomore at William Patterson University, the William Patterson University, let's go. Come on, Carlos. Um, When I was a sophomore at William Patterson, during our kickoff week, we did something called Terrified Tuesday, right? Some of y'all are like, whoa, I don't even want to know what that is. Terrified Tuesday was we decided as a a Bible talk, as a family group, we'd get together and we would do something that scares the snot out of us. (laughs) That required faith, that was terrifying. And I decided kind of haphazardly that I was gonna go during the lunch rush in the food court at William Patterson. I was gonna stand up on a table and invite the entire cafeteria to Bible talk. 400 people. And so I go up, I go up to the, uh, the chair, right at 1230. I walk through the crowd and I, I whistle. <whistles> Excuse me, everybody. <laughs> My name is Matt. And if you're looking for purpose, if you're looking for, for answers, if you're not happy where you are and you're looking for more, if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, come to our Bible discussion at this place and this time. Thank you. Have a great day. Boom, 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 right? Oh my gosh, I was terrified. I walked through the crowd. And you know, that semester we saw six of our great friends become Christians. Our little Bible talk of eight grew six more. I'll tell you the truth. I would have never done that as a sophomore in college had I not, as a senior in high school, walked on campus with Genesis Serviano, who went into the study hall at Montclair State and stood up in front of a room of about 50 people and said, excuse me, my name is Genesis Serviano. We have a Bible discussion on campus at this place and that time, will you join us? It was Genesis' example in my life that inspired my courage, that helped me catch my courage. Brothers and sisters, courage is courageous from those that you walk with. Who scares you a little bit? Whose faith and whose courage is a little bit intimidating, a lot of bit intimidating? Who are the people that you're like, yeah, no, thank you, right? I'm going to stick in my little corner over there. I'm not going to go talk to them because I don't know, right? Who are those people for you? And I want to encourage you, moving forward, to go rub shoulders with the people of courage. Rub shoulders. With those who by faith are living in courage because it's the greatest thing for ourselves that we can do. And lastly, we catch it from Jesus. We catch it from those around us. And the reality is that they will catch courage from us. Are you holding to the expectations set by the status quo or are you willing to challenge your fear? Are you willing? to do the things that a part of you whispers, are you crazy? You're doing too much. Those are not the whispers of God, but the whispers of an enemy who fears what kind of revival your example will stir. On May 6, 1954, Robert Bannister crossed the mile finish line in a time of three minutes and 59 seconds. Prior to that point, it was believed that nobody, it was physically and physiologically impossible to run a sub four minute mile. Many had tried and many had failed. Robert, with passion and with pain, I'm sure, ran through the finish line at a time of three minutes and 59 seconds. Later that year, 14 others did the same. Many of our brothers and sisters, especially as we as a church are growing, maturing, bringing more and more people in, many of our brothers and sisters are looking for someone to go first, for someone to set an example of courage for the future generations. Will you, out of deep love for your brother or sister, challenge their sin and breathe truth into their faithlessness, praying with them and for them? Will you be the one to share your faith boldly? Will you challenge yourself to do something that you've never done or haven't done in a long time? Will you courageously uphold an uncompromising standard of absolute purity with someone of the opposite gender? Will you pray courageous prayers? kind of prayer that when you pray you scare yourself as it leaves your lips the kind of prayer that is complete and utter submission to god's will for your life that's a courageous prayer will you speak up and fight as worldliness attempts to creep into your family group your church your own life will you uphold and defend the cause of the uh, marginalized, the poor, and those who are in need. Brothers and sisters, we can be the ones. We, no, no. <laughs> we, we are the ones. We are the ones to go first, to catch it from Jesus, to catch it from others, and to help others catch it from us. Clothed with courage and stripped of timidity, I believe that a new revival, a new age of revival is among us. It is here. And it will come as we decide to make courage commonplace in our life. With the spirit inside of us of Jesus, boldness will become our baseline. When we are in Christ, love becomes our latitude. You know, we are so blessed and so privileged To be called by God to be courageous, to be called out of our cocoons of comfort, our places of safety, and to walk on water and experience God do amazing things through us. Let me just be clear. For courage, courage for many of us does not mean getting up on a table and sharing with 400 people. But courage is deciding to do something that by fear you have not done. What will your courage that is in you lead you to do this week? Where will you go? What conversations will you have with the courage that already exists in you, gifted to you by God? We're going to take communion here. And this seems like a kind of radical shift in our thinking, but I don't think it is. I think the greatest gift giver of all time, Christ himself, Sacrificed his life on the cross so that we can experience life to the full. So that we can experience a renewed spirit of courage, of love, of power, self-discipline. As we take communion today, I wanna encourage us to slow down and to meditate on who, regardless of the week that you just had, the month that you've had, the season that you've just had, that the fresh start you have today is the same fresh start as you had The day of your baptism let us meditate on the goodness and the gift of god as we take communion together if you don't have a communion cup please raise your hand and the ushers will come around and give you one uh please don't just discard your communion cup onto the ground when you're dead let's pray together our father in heaven what do we have to say we are unworthy of approaching your throne yeah, you give us a front row seat. I think about Isaiah chapter six, where you allow Isaiah to walk through the crowd of angels yelling to each other about how incredible you are. And we get to have an audience at your feet. God, there is nothing that separates us from you because of the sacrifice that your son has made for us, that you have made for us, your incredible love. Thank you for the courage that is so close to our heart, that is in us. Help us. Be people of courage, fueled by the amazing love that you have poured out for us, compelled by Christ's love. We love you and your sons We you pray, amen.